Welcome to a very special episode of the Living Force UTD Network podcast, all about Shadow of the Sith today. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me are a couple of my very good friends, starting out with Dr. Corey Helton. Happy Sunday. How you doing? I am uh, doing excellent, man. Thanks for thanks for having on. I'm uh, excited to chat about this upcoming book um, with uh, a very special person who I have enjoyed their Twitter presence and promotion yes. of this book for the last couple of weeks, and uh, really pleased to see how hardcore everybody's really looking forward to this book. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, as we release this, this book is out today. So I hope as you're watching this, you are very excited and your pre-order is either on your doorstep or in your Kindle. Uh, and of course, we have uh, Mr. Wes Jenkins is here to help us out. Wes, how are you? Hey, hello, everyone. Super excited. Finally, some Sith lore that we can get into. I, I've been missing it in canon and thank God uh, our special guest has uh, has written that for us. Yes, some Sith lore about a Sith Lord, and it, it's, it's all kinds of confusing. But of course, we also now want to welcome our special guest, featured in both from a certain point of view novels, Stranger Things, the Dishonored franchise, Elementary, original novels like Empire State, Cold War, and of course, the brand new Star Wars Shadow of the Sith. It's Adam Christopher. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you very much for having me here. Of course. It was uh, such a pleasure to run into you a little bit at Star Wars Celebration recently, and then you took the, I think, 87-hour trip back home, or however long it took you. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, luckily I was unconscious for most of it, so uh, <laughs> that's, like, that's the best way to travel. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're, we're excited not only to uh, hopefully see you next April when we all try to get over to London ourselves, but of course chat today uh, both about your Star Wars history and of course about uh, Shadow of the Sith. So uh, I think that's enough of us prattling along. Let's, uh, let's dive right in. So we want to break ground here to see where it all started. How did Star Wars first enter your life? So I um, am the classic child of the 80s um i am exactly the right age where i grew up with star wars and transformers and gi joe and master of the universe and oh. mask coincidentally all the stuff that i still love today right sure like, right, I have of not course. yeah <laughs> um and i think because my dad was really into science fiction so he kind of got me introduced to star wars um quite early in fact he took me to see star wars and i've worked this out it was august 1978 so i'm from new zealand wow and back in those days like that's not the original release but movies right. kind of came and they came and then they went away and then they came back for like a repeat run yeah so this was like august 1978 and i was six months old and <laughs> holy smokes like a, yeah but that's like a terrible <laughs> idea it's like do not take us to a movie and spaceships and you know loud stuff so i have to apologize to anyone who was there uh, <laughs> 44 years ago um and then i was really lucky because he worked in advertising and he used to make business trips to to taiwan and hong kong and japan and he would bring back toys that you couldn't get in new zealand wow um, now this is like totally privileged 
super Star Wars childhood. I'm not like <laughs> pretending otherwise. I was sure. super lucky, but I had, you know, quite a collection of toys. Please tell uh, me you wow. still have some of those available. You know, it's one of those things where you kind of drift away and then sure. although, yeah. I actually, I think a friend of mine who was like really into Star Wars, he, he bought most of them off me. I think I was at university. So uh, they're, in, they're in a good, I'm happy they're in a good place. Okay. It's not like they disappeared in a, in a game. Okay, they're loved. Yeah. They're loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was basically it. And, you know, we used to watch Empire Strikes Back every weekend because, again, my dad would bring home a video machine from his work on a Friday night because, you know, video machines were sort of not that common. At, at yeah. That yeah. And, um, well, we did have a local video rental store, so he would stop off and get Empire Strikes Back on the Friday night with the video machine. I would watch it like 12 times over the weekend, and that was it. This is that was my childhood for like I don't know five or six years. It's like wow, Empire Strikes Back 10 times at a weekend because to me that was the best thing I could be doing. Like, that is, yeah, like, yeah, was my favorite movie. Uh-huh. Why, why would you not do that? I mean, come on, I love exactly. it, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Yeah. As, a, as a child of the, of the 90s, I had a slightly more consistent uh, VHS player, uh, but it was the same thing. I mean, those yeah. those old school half-faced VHSs, mm-hmm. the amount of times I rewound yeah. that Empire Strikes Back with a, with a Stormtrooper on it, for some odd right, reason, right, right. of all characters, that was the only character. But yeah, best way to spend an afternoon, no question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was it. So like super lucky, but um, here I am. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It worked. Yeah. 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 Like hey, I wrote a Star Wars book, so it kind of worked out. I think. Yeah, Listen, I think this so. <laughs> that's like that's like six months old being in a Star Wars theater. That's like it's probably like in your genetics somehow at this point. <laughs> like that's like developmental, like developmental age of children. Totally. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's totally in there. Well, let's <laughs> let me ask you about your let me ask you about your writing experience a little bit. So you've written for a number of different IPs, Stranger Things, which. I'm a huge fan of Stranger Things. Me and my wife were really, really into it. Uh, you've written Dishonored, Elementary, a whole bunch of other stuff. What is it about like kind of pre-established IPs, universes that sort of calls to you as an author? Why do you like to like play in that playground? I think for me, I really enjoy that kind of work because like, for example, if you write, we'll call it original fiction, which is my own stuff, which is not set within you know, mm. Star Wars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you're writing a book, maybe it's 100,000 words, which is quite long. Um, it has to make sense. It has to have a story logic. Um, it has to have a strong narrative. You have to create characters that people will be interested in. And those characters have to change. And it has to be entertaining and well-written. Like lots of things going on that you have to kind of get when you're writing your own stuff. Right. When you're doing something like, Star Wars or Dishonored or Stranger Things, you're doing all that, but you've got another job, which is using characters and settings that not only people know very well, but that they love like to death. Mm, so yeah. you have to do all that stuff that you're doing in a book normally with characters that already exist. So for me, um, I really enjoy it because it's a real challenge. You know, <clears throat> if you get those characters wrong, someone is going to notice instantly. You know, yeah, it's, that's it's a good point. It's yeah. like, you're going to see it. Um, right. And I think we've all probably read books where like, that hasn't quite worked for whatever reason, but because they haven't got that, whatever that X factor is of the IP, if it's Star Wars or Stranger Things, there's something about it 
which makes it a Star Wars book or a Stranger Things book, even regardless of like using Luke and Lando or um, other characters. So for me, it's like, that is really cool because you kind of use different parts of your brain for different kinds of writing. Um, you know, not all authors like doing kind of IP stuff because it has that extra level and that extra layer of, it's not, it's not difficulty, but it's like an extra, an extra thing. It is a layer. Yeah. A layer of work. Yeah. that you have to kind of do. But like, I love it. You have some responsibility yeah. to behold. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. right. Just yeah. that, that, like you said, that extra well, layer. Yeah, because like I grew up reading Doctor Who books. Um, again, I was watching Doctor Who on TV, and New Zealand television was behind by like 10 years. So I was getting old, <laughs> I was getting old school Doctor Who at exactly the right age. And then yeah. I was reading the books because my school library had like all the Doctor Who books. So that was the first stuff I was reading and really a fan of. And I wanted to be a writer because I wanted to write Doctor Who books. So oh. when it came sort of years later to doing Elementary, which was the first tie-in novels I've, I'd written, I was like channeling like my favorite Doctor Who authors. Wow. Saying, this is it. Like I need wow. to remail this book because this is what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of Elementary. And sure that was when I realized that I could actually use that kind of fan in me to really get to grips with the characters. Cause it's all about characters. Like if yeah. using elementary again as an example, if you tune in every, any week, like the story or where you are in the season or whatever, it doesn't really matter. People were tuning in because they wanted to see what Johnny Lee Miller as Sherlock Holmes and Lucy Liu as Dr. Watson were going to do that week. What mystery right. were they going to solve? Mm-hmm. How were they going to do it? So it's the characters and the people that, you know, we're lucky with tie-ins because we have some amazing actors who have portrayed these characters. Mm-hmm. So if you can capture that in the book, then that's kind of job done. Yeah. Oh, and that's, but that's, what's been so fun. Even in the lead up to like shadow of the Sith. Like, I mean, you've, you've been like Corey said, been doing such a great job kind of sharing your process online, but there's so much, fervor from the fan community by like what are luke and lando gonna do like the, right. pl- the as someone who, who has read it no spoilers obviously there's a lot of plot involved to it which is also great but there is something so special about opening up a page and be like luke scott master luke skywalker is at his temple and it's like yeah great yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and i so love that you actually mentioned dr who because as a uh as a I'd say more of a Whovian a few years ago. I, I'm, I'm a little behind myself, but a huge Doctor Who fan myself. Um, I know recently you've written for Doctor Who through Big Finish. I know like they've done a lot of great stuff. And I'm, I can't imagine as, as a kid who grew up reading those books, how cool that was to kind of dive into that world properly there. Um, so tell us a little bit both about kind of how that felt now as, as you know, looking back to your, your younger self, but also just selfishly, who is your doctor and why? I always find that fascinating. Yeah, I think, well, my doctor, I think, is probably the third doctor, John Pertwee. But because that was what I was watching, because as I said, New Zealand TV was 10 years behind. Mm -hmm. So I was in the mid-80s watching kind of early to mid-70s Doctor Who. So (laughs) that's what I kind of grew up watching. Yeah, yeah, completely the wrong age for that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I think... You know, getting to write Doctor Who, I didn't, you know, an audio, sort of like a long short story called The Dream Nexus, uh, which came out through Big Finish uh, in May this year, um, was like, 
I don't want to say bucket list and you just kind of tick it off because that means you're just kind of making a list. But really, it's like that was it. I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars, and obviously Star Wars is, is the top of the tree, really. Mm. But personally, as a kind of side thing, Doctor Who was like, I want to do a Doctor Who something. So that was really cool. And, of course, um, it was a sixth Doctor story. It's Colin Baker. Mm-hmm. Um and it's kind of weird because, like, that is not the Doctor I expected to have written for my right. first ever Doctor Who thing. <laughs> but I, but I love Doctor Who, and again, it's like, okay, this is my first official Doctor Who, and I wrote it, and then I realised, yeah, I can actually capture the Sixth Doctor, and it goes back to what I was saying before. It's like it's all character. Mm-hmm. If you can, doesn't matter what part, even if it's Star Wars, doesn't matter what part of Star Wars or era in the kind of saga timeline. If you capture the characters in the setting, then you know you're kind of onto a good thing. Yeah, and and I love I love that you say that, especially with Doctor Who and Star Wars, because they're both such generational properties at this point. I mean, obviously Doctor Who has been lucky enough to have all different incarnations. Like I personally, uh, Tenet's mine because that's again the age I was. Yeah. Um, and we've talked to folks like Kevin Scott on the show, and he has his Doctor because obviously in the UK kind of a big deal uh, when he was yeah, growing right. up with Doctor Who. and Star Wars very similarly now I mean there's generations where you know Ray is their Luke and it's just so beautiful to kind of see you know how those characters can kind of just keep us going over the decades yeah and that's the amazing thing like it's a Star Wars celebration you see young people like cosplaying as Ray and mm-hmm. and characters in the sequel trilogy and you really realize it's like yeah Star Wars is something that you kind of pass down yeah to um, yeah, is I love, we, we love that trilogy. man. Yeah, yeah, it was that that is that was so inspiring to see so many children in in like sequel characters and like that is their introduction to Star Wars and that's what they're going to yeah. remember. It's like their their Star Wars, you know, that's what got them in. So that's always yeah. so inspiring to see. And like at celebration on one of the days, I went to a panel which was the creatures of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, so we're watching this and they had like a home movie from the production. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we're we're a bunch of middle-aged people sitting in this room watching this 40-year-old home movie (laughs) going through the creature workshop. Next door or down the hallway, they were announcing the second season of Visions. Yeah. This is all this. And I was like, this is Star Wars. This is it's crazy. This is for everybody. And Star Wars has this ability to kind of well, like Doctor Who, regenerate itself for, for new generations which is, you know, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, I love that about Star Wars. It's so multi-generational. I mean, we talk to people so all the time. It's like, yeah, like so now even, it's like my grandparents took me to see Star Wars for the first time, you know, which is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to even consider that. It's like, you know, we were all prequel kids here. So, like, it's it's so interesting to hear this is just going to go on forever, I guess. It's going to be just part of human history. Yeah, like a yeah. hundred years from now, they're still making Star Wars stuff. And, <laughs> like, I know, absolutely, my, absolutely. exactly. Doctor. And Doctor Who. Yeah. I know they won't. They won't be saying my grandparents. They'll be saying my ancestors watched Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, so speaking of kind of the the, the various trilogies, um, you were involved. And from a certain point of view, the very first one, and I have a very special place in my heart for that book because I love that book. It's very, it's very, um, it's very easy to get into because if you've seen A New Hope 
over and over and over again. You can pick out those little pieces in each one of those stories. But like you were saying with characters, how like what inspired you to pick like those specific characters from End of Watch, um, like Commander, like Commander Pamela Paul. Yeah, that story or that scene in Star Wars, I really wanted to do. I kind of knew immediately that it had to be that scene, you know, the other side of that conversation when Han and Luke are rescuing Leia and it all goes wrong. Not that it all go wrong, but like there's an there's an incident, shall we say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but everyone's fine, you know, we're all fine here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I was also aware that like that had been done really well on is it like robot robot chicken or adult Yes. Robot? Yes. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's like fantastic. So yeah. it wasn't I was gonna do like the serious version of that. Mm-hmm. Um and again, it's like, what kind of point of view do you have? Mm-hmm. It's a scene that we know so well, like one of the greatest and mem- most memorable scenes from that movie, um, this kind of moment of weird lightness in the middle of like a life or death situation. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. What would, what would the other side of that be? Because also, you know, we don't see them. We hear a voice over the comms of mm-hmm. the, the Imperials. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what's going on? So it was the whole thing of just the Death Star is enormous and the Empire is huge. And it's like, okay, the Empire is evil, but a lot of the people are kind of just doing their job. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on my nine to five and yeah, yep, I mean, about time to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let someone else, let someone else handle it. Um, yeah. Just kind of what she does. Although, yeah, I like to think that she actually realized the error of her ways and <laughs> and managed to escape before it kind of yeah 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 sure sure well, again, kind of like, no go ahead i was saying well it's like it's only a short story but if you can if you can get a character that works like you oh, yeah. kind of yeah you kind of feel for them yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we've, we're huge fans of those books too. Those anthology books are so much fun, and it's such a great way to kind of like low risk bring in a whole bunch of new authors too to kind of see what it's like, how creative they are when they explore this universe and stuff too. So it's been really fun to sort of speculate, I guess, of of different authors you see that you know they get one or two short stories, and it's like, are we going to get a novel in three years? You know, that's kind of how it tends to tends to go. It seems so. Like those are super super fun projects. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of speaking of those things, changing gears just a little bit. Um, you know, we, we recently met a couple of us recently met you at Star Wars Celebration and uh you were hanging around the Del Rey booth, this giant poster of this new novel that you wrote. So what was it what was it like being constantly surrounded by people that are really truly genuinely excited? I mean, I don't know if there's there's not a lot of situations in which you can just be so thrust into that niche group like this is literally a thousand people that are very interested in this very specific project that i get to talk to in person before it even comes out so what was that what was that like kind of being around that yeah it was really cool um that was my first star wars celebration i've done i do things like san diego comic-con regularly and at one san diego when um the stranger things novel was out they had the exhibit hall there is enormous and they have these kind of these suspended rotating banner things like over the exhibit hall. And one of them had the Stranger Things novel, which was my first experience of like, that is really weird, but also really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, yeah, Star Wars, I go to the Del Rey booth and there's this enormous blow up of the cover. 
Um, it's kind of, I don't know, as a fan, I'm like fainting. And as a pro, I'm just like, okay, I'm here to do my job. So right. you kind of, yeah, you have that kind of weird duality. I mean, I've been doing it long enough that I can kind of like control myself. I was signing posters. This is a weird thing, right? And this is going to sound super cheesy, but I was signing cover posters. And for some reason I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to go to whoever, may the force be with you. And then there's a booth next door had a DJ who had been playing just music, but then they decided to play the Star Wars theme for some reason. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a Star Wars convention. And <laughs> the Star Wars theme is booming. And I've got this poster, which is my book, and I'm writing, may the force be with you. And I'm just like, this is, is this real? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the stars of a line. This is like, this is happening. And I don't know what's going on, but have a poster. It's, it's so That's super crazy, crazy though. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, it's one of those moments, you know, it's it's when you're a kid and you and you take the wrapping paper tube and you're like, this is my lightsaber and someday I'll be a Jedi. And yeah, you, you get John Williams scoring you in front of the book about Luke and right. Lando that now happened. Like that, yeah. these are things yeah. now that have happened in Star Wars. Like it's such a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's even like secondhand. It's just so, it gives me chills thinking about it. And, and of course... It's, it's all based around the book. So let's let's talk about the book itself, right? So Shadow of the Sith, again, out today. I'm going to keep reminding you folks, I know you pre-ordered. I know you did. But in case your friends didn't, make sure you order that book today. Uh, where did the idea for Shadow of the Sith first come from? And how did the whole process, whether email, phone call, like how did, how did this start for you? Well, I got an email. Um, I've been doing some work on, an, on another book um, for The Mandalorian, which was going to be really cool, but we kind of had to let it go. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, but yeah. at the same time, they're like, well, we've got this other book, which maybe you might be interested in. And it was really, the only brief was, it was that that scene, that story that Lando tells to Ray in The Rise of Skywalker, where he says, oh, me and Luke were chasing this old Jedi hunter, Ochi of Bestoon, who was looking for a clue to a wayfinder, um, you know, no Ochi, no wayfinder. And that was it. It's like, well, clearly that, you know, go and write the story. That is, that is an adventure waiting to be told. Um, yeah. And it was cool because I remember when I first saw The Rise of Skywalker in, in the movies, that really kind of jumped out at me because I thought, why, you know, that's really cool. But like Luke and Lando, like that's a really kind of- Yeah, awesome interesting pairing. Yeah, yeah it's like- mm-hmm. And, and I was already imagining, like, what they would kind of get up to. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, well, I don't know how many couple of years before I even had an inkling that I'd do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that was it. And they kind of let me let me go for it. Because that's all he says in the movie. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. It's like one line. Yeah, that's, all, like, that's, that's all we've been harping on since seeing the movie. Like, there's got to be more. There's got to yeah. be more to this. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I think that's that's the fun part about the expanded universe that all of us have always really loved. It's like you take one line and just totally run with it. And there's there's so many references to that. I mean, you know, the Kenobi show is going strong right now, and uh, you know, it's it's so amazing how many tiny little flashbacks from Episode Four that we're getting fulfilled now. And like, I think that's that's one of the most fun parts about fans is you get to sort of speculate about what those stories are. And it's so cool to be invited, I guess, to kind of tell such a important 
story, even though it is just one tiny little line. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I always go back to the, uh, you know, I fought it alongside your father in the Clone Wars. It's like, Alec Guinness didn't know what the Clone Wars were. And now there's seven seasons. Like, it's just so funny yeah. Yeah. That, that, that now this book, is, I mean, this book is that. I mean, you got to basically say, all right, now every time someone reads your book and then they go watch The Rise of Skywalker, their mind will instantly copy and paste this 450-page tale into yeah. that three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love yeah. that. Your new book is Shadow of the Sith. There is a lot of darkness, but there's also a lot of light. So you you add in Sith eternal cultists that kind of uh, they're on top, layered on top of like young Ray's blanket, which is super cool. It's the way you write that. Um, so how important is it for you to add in like the opposites of both light and dark? Yeah. So you know, Ray and her family are in a lot of danger. Um, but they're also very hopeful because even if we know what's going to happen to them, um, they don't know what's going to happen to them, which is incredibly obvious to say. But I was really aware of that as I was writing it, that, you know, Star Wars is about hope and it's about redemption and they are really doing their best as a family. And they're just, you know, whatever their backgrounds, they are ordinary people in the galaxy yeah, facing yeah. an extraordinary danger. Um, through no fault of their own. Like, nothing that they did has caused any of this. It's just because of who they are. So that kind of, I don't know if it's a juxtaposition, but that kind of, the two sides of this kind of, the, the good family and the love and the hope. Um, and, like, they're doing the best, absolutely doing the best. Yeah. They're desperate and afraid, but they're holding it together um, mm -hmm. for Ray. And then the other side, you've got, you know, Ochi with the, the Sith blade and you've got Kaiser who's kind of possessed by this mask um, who are <laughs> like, I mean, Kaiser is like straight out of a horror movie kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And Ochi is kind of, he's interesting because like he's, he's, uh, he's evil and he's obsessed so he's like he's a villain with an obsession, which is like a dangerous combination. Yeah, and especially yeah, sure. Sith, I mean, this is not spoilers. You can work it out from the movie, but like, um, you know, the Sith Eternal are using that obsession of his to get him to do the job. Yeah, and he will stop at nothing, and he's got nothing to lose because he's going to get his. He thinks his ultimate kind of prize. So yeah, it's like, I mean, you see it in Star Wars, like the original trilogy. You know, Luke is a farm boy from Tatooine, and He's going to destroy the Death Star, which is like the machine of the Empire, which is the biggest thing in the galaxy, kind of thematically. Um, it's all about little people doing great things. Mm. Um, yeah. Again, spoilers, but, you know, Ray's parents kind of don't make it, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, but, like, it's not a happy ending, but then it's not to say that they're not trying to do the, their best. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, like you can't have, although a lot of a lot of kind of elements from the Rise of Skywalker, we know how they turn out. Even in the whole sequel trilogy, you know, we know what happens with Ben, we know Luke, we know what happens to Han, but that doesn't mean that there's this kind of grinding and inevitability of their story. There is still something to say and a story to tell about these characters. So with um, Ray's family. Although we know what's going to happen, I tried to kind of, it kind of comes out of the blue in a way. 
because they're making plans and and you know to protect Ray and that they kind of they're doing really well. They're always aware that they just have to make one mistake and it's kind of all over. Yeah. yeah. And then when it does happen, it's like it just happens. Like they're not like it just it's almost sudden, like, oh, okay, actually they made a mistake and well, did they even make a mistake? Well, I suppose they did. But again, it's like this is what happens. Like in life, in, in our lives, we don't know what's gonna happen. So I tried to really put that into the into the book, into their story. Yeah, and it it definitely shows and, and it's interesting. Um uh, as we're recording this, it just happens to be uh Father's Day uh over here. And as I was reading this book, I was really struck by Dathan, especially as a character, because I think we see like obviously there's a lot of uh, commentary on parental relationships in Star Wars, like Luke Vader and all these things, but it's a lot of like lost relationships. Then then maybe they find each other, Han and Ben, that kind of thing. But the way you write Dathan, especially in this book, the way he looks at his wife and looks at his daughter, really struck me because it, it was it made me realize that we don't we haven't gotten this as much it, like the actual father is just like like you said i'm doing my best i love my wife i love my child i'm so worried about messing up because i love them and i was like oh my gosh i i, I we've touched the importance hmm. of you know honoring the legacy of your parents but it's been so rare that we just see he's just a scared dad and i actually loved that i thought that was really really affecting yeah and like also he's he's seen a better life you know he has this well unique and extremely troublesome childhood obviously growing up on exegol i mean mm -hmm. that's a nightmare planet um, <laughs> yeah and he gets away and he sees he sees what could could be you know so he's very aware of what there is to lose um and he's aware of his own legacy which again it's not his fault you know yeah um None of it's their fault. Yeah. Is the part. It's the epitome of you can't pick your parents. Yeah. And, right. uh, <laughs> I never even thought about growing up on Exegol, what kind of life you would lead after that. Yeah. Of course, exactly. it would be terrible. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we kind of we get a bit of a hint of that in the book. You know, we kind of see a little bit, but uh, yeah. even that is like, it's hard to imagine what. Yeah. 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 You read the scenes in, uh, like in Ray Carson's Most Wanted, she shows like Han's growing up on Corellia. And now I'm like, Han, shut up. You are fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively to Exegol. <laughs> You're all right. Yeah. You're all right. Yeah. Uh, well, now changing gears just a little bit to talk a little bit more about sort of the writing style of the book. Uh, you know, we have a, we have kind of a review team at, at Utini and like several people all kind of read the books and most of them are all, all finished with it. And I've, I've kind of looked at some of their notes and stuff. Something that really stood out about uh, this particular book is you kind of really play around with a lot of different writing styles. It seems like, um, you know, you have different characters experiencing thrilling chases. There's force visions and even kind of voices in their own heads. Like, how do you find a literary voice for so many different angles and different sections of the novel as a writer? I think it comes from experience. So again, I've been doing it long enough that when I was writing different characters, they each kind of fell into their own sort of style. So it's almost not something that I think about now. Um, you know, and it goes back to the fact that, you know, when they, they want people to write Star Wars who kind of know what they're doing. And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, 
I'm not trying to gatekeep or, or sound like I'm important, but they need experienced writers because yeah, yeah. Sometimes in a book like this, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of different points of view and a lot of different character kind of themes even. So, you know, Kaiser is very uh, spooky, ethereal, and Dathan is very kind of pragmatic and and in awe of Miramir in a way. Um, you know, Lando and Luke's, Luke are friends, but they see the galaxy in a completely different way. Which is what makes them great when you put them together because yeah. they kind of really um it's like two pieces of a puzzle were kind of locked together and then suddenly you've got this new thing. So yeah, and especially because I knew that that there was going to be so much in it and that it's you know it's quite a long book. Um and I was I was writing it from the point of view of like this is episode six point five. If this is between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens in this huge section of the timeline that we've had so few kind of experiences of books but really this is new stuff and to have a book that kind of has these like tentpole moments in the saga like there's important things that happen which is not always the case with the book sometimes you just can't do that so i was very lucky with the opportunities that i could that i could use so I made it as big and as bold and as cinematic as possible. Yeah. So I think, and again, going back to being an experienced writer, knowing that from the beginning, it kind of came out that way as I was writing it. I'm not saying it's easy to do, but, and it's one thing, you know, you've got your outline and you've got you know, revisions and you've got your draft and then you do another draft. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of develops and you can start to see where things are going and, like I think with Kaiser, I kind of turned up the horror a bit. Because, yeah. Um, well, and especially because like I realized the the not spoilers, but like the environment that she's in, she's she lives in this kind of ruined spaceship. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it's a ruined spaceship. It's kind of creepy and full of droids. But then it's like actually, it's like a ruined castle or a tomb. So yeah. if I call it something like the sepulchre, which is what it's kind of referred to as that then sets something else going in your mind as me for me as a writer but also for the reader it's like yeah this is like this is bad news um yeah yeah i i love that and it's so clear you know you're talking about it like knowing the settings it all makes so much sense and like you said there's so much lore that got to be expanded on that that we haven't seen yet like rise of skywalker even though it's been about three years almost now since its release a lot of that stuff has kind of been untouched as far as future stuff goes i mean let it settle for a while obviously give some time but this book really does take that baton and run with it and you also expand a lot of work from other authors i know that like the star wars author community is one of our favorites because it seems so like tight-knit and a lot of you interact with each other um there's there's a few easter eggs that i'm not going to spoil on here but are very fun nods uh, to other writers uh, which i loved a lot but you also took uh characters from other works like uh very specifically like the aftermath trilogy by wendig you've talked a lot about um stuff that kevin scott has done so what did it mean to you not only to take things from star wars mythology and lore and expand them but also like characters made up by folks that like you know like people that you will interact with to take their creations and then take them kind of like the next step of their journey well everything that i put in um i mean they were deliberate choices but they were also kind of organic choices so 
you know, using Kaiser, who was such a great character from the Aftermath interludes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's like, in, you know, Star Wars has this great tradition of the kind of the character in the background that you see for five seconds, which gets the action figure that looks really cool, but yes. like you don't know anything about this person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that goes back to my love of Empire Strikes Back because the bounty hunter scene, those were the toys that I played with because not only did they look cool and stuff, but these were characters that we knew nothing about. Right. Because right, the movie, right. like, obviously Boba Fett goes on to develop stuff, but for the others, like Bosk and IG-88 and Dengar, and it's like, who on earth are these people? And what are they like? <laughs> and what are they doing? So when it came to, like, when I was eight years old playing with the toys, those are the figures because I could create their story because we hadn't seen it. So there was a space there for me to kind of use them. And it's almost the same thing using things from other books or comics. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a cool minor character, you know, Kaiser, who was going to be the villain in my book, because we had a little bit of a backstory and a little bit of a character, and there was very clearly a path that she was going to go on right. that was worth exploring. Um, and then I used things like, you know, um, there's some references to Dark Legends by George Mann. Because, yeah, again, yeah. I read... Dark Legends, which is like a, a collection of fairy tales within the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. Love but, that book. Love that yeah. book. Yeah. But like one of the, the stories is so, well, it's about Exegol. Um, it's like it fitted so well with the themes I wanted for Shadow of the Sith that there's no way I was going to not use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used it. <laughs> so although I'm a, like a Star Wars geek, and I love putting in everything that I can that's kind of cool. And like if I thought, you know, if I was reading this, I'd be like, oh, I recognize that a little bit. But yeah. it's important for this kind of work that, you know, it's for everybody. If, if people don't see a reference or don't recognize something from another work, it doesn't matter. Um, right. Because if it's, if it's important, it's explained in the book. If it's not important... It's just a planet or a character or a spaceship or whatever. Um, but those who can recognize it will kind of get a little extra buzz out of it. Exactly. And then if they're kind of interested, they can go and you can go and read Dark Legends or um, Aftermath or whatever else I've used. Like the 1978 Los Angeles Times newspaper comic strips, which are referenced at least three or four times in the Holy book. smokes. That's quite the pull. Yes. We won't let yeah. we won't let Charles know about this. He's the one that pulls all our Easter eggs for our for the book round tables. <laughs> so kind of speaking of these these characters that you brought in um, or that you you written about in uh in this book. So do you have a favorite that you wrote? So whether it be in this book with Kaiser, Young Ray, Ochia Bestoon, do you have a favorite that you wrote? Would could be Luke Orlando, or is there one that you haven't written about yet that you would like to write about? Um, my favorite character that I wrote in Shadow, which seems inconsequential, but he actually plays like a completely pivotal role in the story. Um, I'm not going to reveal his name, but he goes by the code name of Steadfast. And yep. he's in it for like two chapters. Yeah. But there was just something about him when I was writing it that was like a joy because he's such a 
jerk, basically. <laughs> and <laughs> it kind of just came to life. And again, it's a character from Rise of Skywalker that we, that he's in, like, suddenly we're introduced to a character that apparently has been there for, you know, always because of who he is. Uh-huh. So again, it's like, well, who is he and what is he doing? And what was he doing 20 years ago? You know, um, clearly he was important enough. He was around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, it's kind of minor in the in the course of the book because he's only in it for a little bit. But he was so cool. Yeah, I love yeah. the I love those pulls of those of the details of the small characters that don't really show yeah. up that lot in the movies, but they play such a pivotal yeah. role. Yeah. I mean, hey, like Bill Organ is my favorite character of all time, so he started right. as a background nothingness, and now he's of course the hero the galaxy deserves. So you know, <laughs> take some time. Well, it's like one character I'd really like to write is actually Vader, but. Mm. Having now, you know, we're, we're almost at the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus, and the way that they have portrayed Vader is so amazing. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how I could possibly compete with that. Because <laughs> suddenly, like, Vader is he's cool. He's evil. Everybody's cool. <laughs> and he's awesome and he's powerful, and we know that. But now we're like, wow, he's actually, like, like another level. Um, yeah, yeah. So He's like, sadistic, uh, yeah, yeah, in a way that we've never seen, yeah, for sure. If, yeah, that episode, man, I could just watch it again. I, yeah, yeah, yeah they're really solidifying. They're really solidifying Hayden as Vader in that in those episodes. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Adam, as we kind of wrap up here a little bit, um, I want to ask you a question that we ask uh, all the authors that come on come on our show, especially you know with their first time coming on and. Um, you know, kind of going back to your original Star Wars introduction, right? I mean, you were introduced as a kid and it seems like almost everybody that we've ever talked to, they have some really cool inner childhood, you know, introduction to Star Wars, right? Um, and, you know, Star Wars is so rich with this this idea of legacy, right? Like the characters all have their own legacy. You know, there is the Skywalker legacy. There's all this legacy. You know, now that you have written both short stories and now a major footprint on kind of the Star Wars storytelling saga with a with a novel, an enormous novel, right? Like you now have left your sort of You've, you've sort of began your own legacy, I guess, in, in Star Wars storytelling, which is really cool, profound thing if you think about. So I, I want to ask you, what do you sort of what do you hope that your own personal legacy is? You know, it, whether this is the only project you ever do or if you do major projects down the road, what do you hope your personal legacy on the Star Wars saga is? That's a really interesting question. Um, and it's kind of difficult in a way because. I managed to do some things in shadow, like I named Ray's parents. Now oh. it's only a couple of names, but that is now part of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a fan, to be able to contribute to what is the greatest storytelling mythology we have in the modern age, basically, yeah, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a small short story or a comic. Like I did a little like eight page comic for IDW uh, backup strip in Star Wars Adventures, but again it was like this is a little slice of Tally Lynch's life that we haven't seen. Yeah. So all of it, even if it's a big thing or a small thing, it all it's all adding to the kind of storytelling universe. And I would like to think that my contributions mean something, and I don't mean something like 
it's important but it means something in that like it's a it's good like yeah star wars is amazing sure. and we all love it and if i can add something to it rather than take away that is that is the legacy yeah you know, mm-hmm. if I, I love that right if i can write star wars stories that the eight-year-old fan that i was would read then or now as an adult um that's it that's the job done you know i love yeah, it i love that too i love it well hey you know maybe maybe in the future uh we'll we'll have uh, the bestoon legacy we'll fly right alongside the christopher legacy uh in this space it'll be great <laughs> well uh i can say for sure uh as people read this i'm so excited uh, I know the, the embargo was lifted this past week. The reviews have been coming in. People are getting more excited. And the floodgates open full on uh, by the time this releases. Um, before we get out of here, I think also just congratulations, first of all. I mean, this is, like you said, you've been doing this for a while. You've done a bunch of major projects. But, I mean, this this hefty guy here is is out. It is finished, and it's a really big deal. So congrats on on this book. It's really a feat. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so before we, we close on out, uh, please let our audience know uh, if they don't already follow you or they don't know what's coming, where can they find you online? And uh, what does the rest of 2022 look like for you? Uh, yeah. So I'm on Twitter as Ghostfinder, um, which is actually Star Wars canon. You can look it up on Wikipedia. You'll find it. Really? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Which means I'm stuck with it now. I can't change it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram as Adam Christopher Writer, which is a far less interesting username than Ghostfinder. <laughs> um, maybe I could change that, actually. Ghostfinder <laughs> all the way across, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and my website is uh, adamchristopher.me, which has all my other books and stuff. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to San Diego Comic-Con. The book will be out by then, so that'll be fun. And then New York Comic-Con later in the year. Um, I'm working on stuff which will remain secret for now. There we go. Um, but like, I'm aware, like, I don't want to keep going on about this and take up no. too much time, but like, I'm not taking this for granted. It's like, this is my dream and I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And I hope I'm doing something worthwhile for fans like me who who want to enjoy Star Wars. And yeah. like, you know, not many people can do that. And I'm grateful for that. And every day I pinch myself. It's like, I get to do this. It's really well, reflected in your responses. You can tell you're very yeah. genuine about Star Wars, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful to see. It shows in the pages. Everyone, as you're watching, go follow him, Adam, everywhere. Go see uh, all the lovely countdowns that have been going off. There's playlists. There's behind-the-scenes facts. Your, your, your feed is just a, a bunch of love of all things Star Wars. Let us know also what you think about the book, uh, both on Utini, at Adam on Twitter. Let him know how much you're loving everything. Um, and of course, stay tuned for all things that you need to know about books and comics because there's one being released about every four weeks in Star Wars. So we, we are getting lots of content. Adam, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. Of course. All right. May the force be with you, everybody. 